0: Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville, Fiber Internet, Streaming TV, Home Security, and Automation in Southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from Integrity First Insurance, provider of Erie Insurance, for all your auto, home, life, and business insurance needs. More information at 812-269-8897 or integrityfirstinsuranceservices.com.
1: Welcome to Noon Edition on WFIU. I'm your host, Bob Zaltzberg. Today, I'll be talking with guests about the current economic trends for local businesses, uh, particularly restaurants and arts venues, as we pass a two-year mark in the pandemic and now grapple with the effects of inflation. We've got three guests with us today. Jeff Meese is back. He's from One World Catering. Gabe Gloden is the Cardinal Stage Manager, Managing Director, and Eric Spoonmore is joining us. He is the Executive Director of the Greater Bloomington Chamber of Commerce. If you have questions for us or comments, you can join us uh, on the program today by sending them to news at indianapublicmedia.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. We're still doing the show remotely, but hopefully that's going to end very soon, uh, so you can't call us us with your questions. Eric, I want to start with you. Congratulations on your new position with the Greater Bloomington Chamber of Commerce.
2: Hey, thanks, Bob, and thanks for having me. Yeah, Yeah. so I'm about uh, three months into the job as president of the Greater Bloomington Chamber of Commerce, and I can tell you it's just been a real Uh, whirlwind of activity since I got started on December 1st, but uh, things are really going great. I'm just delighted to be leading the chamber and to have this opportunity to make a difference for our members and for our community and to really work toward building um, uh, a more thriving business environment here in Greater Bloomington. Hey, we're glad to have you. Uh, Aaron Predmore was on the show several times.
1: Uh, we'll be we'll be tapping you on the shoulder several times as well. I wanted to give you a chance to sort of open the show by talking about, I mean, you're starting with the chamber in this new job. Uh, we appear to be coming out of the pandemic, uh, even though there's some rumblings of, an you know, an, another variant that may be in our future. And now we have inflation to deal with. What's the uh, what do you think is the state of the Bloomington economy right now, the greater Bloomington economy?
2: Well, I would say that, um, you know, things are looking good. And from our members, we have a lot of uh, optimism, I would say it's cautious optimism. Uh, but things are, are looking uh, bright. And uh, I'm excited for uh, for the future. And, um, you know, as transmission rates are going down, obviously, we're keeping an eye on, um, you know, whatever new variants may be out there. But for now, uh, things are going well. We do have some inflationary concerns. Um, you know, we have some local issues too that uh, are being discussed that could impact our workforce in terms of uh, new taxes and things like that. So we're keeping an eye on all of that. But I would say overall, the the consensus is cautious optimism.
1: Well, we hope to get into a lot of those issues today. Jeff Meese with One World Catering. Uh people know that Jeff is involved with Lenny's and with Pizza X and with Hive. He's, he's got his hand in a lot of different things. Jeff, we've talked to you before during the pandemic. You've done a lot of creative things. Um, at this stage, we're you know two years in. How do your businesses look compared to before this started?
3: Hi, Bob. Uh, thanks. Well, uh, you know, we're very much in the moment. Uh, um the the restaurants that we have and catering that kind of depend on people coming out, Lenny's and Hive and One World Catering at Woolery, uh, they're all doing better. Uh, we're not where we were prior uh to the pandemic, but uh, but we're figuring it out. The the change in uh, you know, the the drop of the mask mandates is really, I think for our staff been a uh, breath of fresh air it's hard it's hard working a full shift in a mask i gotta i gotta tell you in a hot kitchen uh is about the worst uh so staff are appreciating that and and not needing to be the mask police which very often created some conflict uh you know um so yeah, everything's going well. Pizza X has been really strong throughout the pandemic, and and so that's really helped keep all our other places afloat. So we're we're really grateful uh, for that.
1: Want to ask you about that? The issue with you know being the mask police. I mean, you know, you're a, a restaurant that has a lot of of local people who visit you and then return and time after time, but you also get a lot of guests from out of town. I mean, was, was that an issue since Monroe County was basically, I think the last County to lift the mask mandate Um, out of town, people coming in to town, was that where you had your most difficulty or was it just local people that were tired of, I think
3: so. And, you know, it was only, you know, a few percent, it was only a few percent of, of people that, uh, you know, the way it always is that, that were an issue And then but, it, you know, if if you've got if you create a conflict there, there's just no there's just no good way to there's no good way to, you know, solve it. And it just tends to escalate and get, you know, people get angry. So, uh, you know, we're in the hospitality business and we're not used to we're not you know, we're not the our staff are not the police force. So it's a little counterintuitive to do these things. So. Uh, yeah, I think generally that we were the uh, that we were the strongest uh, certainly, and people coming in from out of town that certainly had a big effect. Gotcha.
1: Okay, so Gabe, great great to have you on the show today. Cardinal stage, I mean, you have uh, have a wonderful organization that depends on people coming into places uh, and watching, you know, the performances, the magic that you make. So these last two years have had to have challenged you
4: yeah yeah thanks Bob, for having me again um and yeah it's it's been uh two years unlike any other, right um I'm you know grateful that you know we are you know as a nonprofit organization, we were able to leverage the support of our incredible donors and sponsors uh one world uh included in that and many many chamber members um uh, came, really came through over the last two years say hey this is something we know cannot exist in its you know current form uh during the pandemic but we want it to continue to exist and thrive um, when we when we see the light at the end of the tunnel which you know we're in that season right now we're in the um you know coming back to in person trying to you know get back to kind of what people know and love about live theater which is in-person experiences with real-life people performers in front of you um and that has been uh you know it's a, it's it's, a, it's definitely something that's a work in progress we have a lot of folks that are coming back and saying wow can't believe that i'm back in the theater i missed this so much this is such an important part of not only you know our, our you know social life but also just their kind of like uh identity as Bloomingtonians. you know they an arts and culture based community. And this is a really important component of that uh, identity. And so uh, that, there's that, but then there's also folks that I think we've maybe lost for some time, you know, to the couch. And that was always kind of our, you know, I think uh, the most challenging competition was, you know, there is plenty of entertainment and content that can be delivered on any number of devices now, uh, anywhere at home. And uh, I think that, you know, getting those folks to understand that, hey, the live theater experience, the in-person experience has just a lot more to offer. It's very different. That's going to be uh, a challenge going forward when we come to talk about rebuilding our audiences.
1: Well, really, I'm really happy to have you and Jeff both on the show today. Well, Eric, too, of course, Eric. But uh, Jeff and, and Gabe have been very creative um, in trying to figure their way through this, and Gabe, I know you know the Cardinals come up with this uh, "pay what you will" pricing. That seems very creative to me. W- what's that all about?
4: Yeah, so you know, at the beginning of the the season planning, this is early 2021 for this up for the current season we're in. We really were talking about okay, what can we do? Uh, as, a, as a community-wide effort to make people feel comfortable coming back to the theater again. And how can we start to not only bring our existing audiences back in, but make it more accessible for new audiences? And seeing kind of where inflation was kind of sending prices across the board, we, we kind of made a decision um, uh, before we launched the season, saying, hey, let's, let's make the cost of a theater ticket you know something that is going to be as affordable as it needs to be for any number of folks like let's remove price as a variable for reentry into the, the this this space and let's go out and let's talk to our existing donors and supporters and say this is something we want to do that we feel important to us you know rebuilding and 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 coming back into you know uh, business as usual and i think it's been uh definite success in in terms of trying to get new folks back into the back to the theater um but we have absolutely seen our kind of average purchase prices average ticket revenue go down as people are paying less than average for a show um so we're, donations right now are kind of covering that gap bridging that gap but uh It's definitely something, a pricing model that I think we're going to continue to develop and explore because I really do think it's important, um, especially in this community, to increase access as much as possible for everyone in the community.
1: All right. We're talking with uh, three great guests today. We have, that was Gabe Gloden from Cardinal Stage. He's Managing Director. We have Jeff Meese from One World Catering, which includes uh, One World Catering. And then there's also Lenny's and Hive, Pizza X. Um, not Bloomington Brewing Company anymore, but we'll get into that in a minute, Jeff. And then Eric Spoonmore from the Greater Bloomington Chamber of Commerce, the new executive director. If you want to send questions to these three folks about what they're doing and how they're getting through the pandemic and dealing with inflation, please send the questions to news at org or send them to at New addition, on Twitter, you can follow us on Twitter and you can send your questions there. Eric, I wanted to ask you and then bring uh, both Jeff and Gabe back in about the labor market in town now. I know that that's been a key issue, getting enough workers, getting enough people to be able to staff businesses. Are we coming out of that or is that still a significant issue as it was?
2: This is a big issue, Bob, um, and uh, we're really concerned. About uh, the worker shortage we've you know we're we're very fortunate to have a significant number of quality job openings here in the community but um, you know this kind of goes back to our housing discussions that we've been having as a community um, you know that shortage of existing housing options presents uh, significant challenges to our workers and employers and you know also to local government uh, and I've got you know quite a bit of experience in local government coming from the county council I know Uh, you know, how that can kind of come into play. And so, you know, all the economic development research demonstrates very clearly that affordable and stable housing, uh, that's all connected to positive health, education and economic outcomes for residents and uh, that healthy supply of housing adds even more benefits to, uh, to the residents here in the form of enhanced local government services uh, that are funded through the collection of additional property taxes and income taxes and so forth. So, you know, the, the bottom line is we need more housing options here in Bloomington and Monroe County. And uh, that's really imperative. And I think that would go a long way uh, to assisting with, um, you know, some of the uh, workforce challenges that we're seeing. But, uh, you know, it is nice. We, we've got uh, a lot of investment happening here in uh, Bloomington uh, and in Monroe County. Um, a lot of jobs open. It'd be great to, uh, you know, get all those filled. Yeah, I want to dig a little deeper, dive a little deeper into that
1: before I go to Jeff and, and Gabe. I know, you know, Cook has had a lot of openings for quite a long time. I know Pete Yonkman has talked about the housing shortage as an issue. Catalan seems to continually um, have new jobs and more jobs. I mean, can you talk about just diving a little deeper? I mean, when someone comes into town, gets a job at, uh, at Cook or a job at Catalan, why can't they afford, find a place that's affordable for them to live?
2: That's a good question. Um, you know, I think a lot of this is driven by our uh, public sector leaders and some of those decisions. Um, I've been um, uh, a little disappointed that some of the uh, housing development proposals uh, have not been able to advance and I think that, um, you know, we've just got a, a wide range of price points as well uh, that need to be filled. There was a study that the city of uh, Bloomington commissioned a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, that had indicated that we're about 2,500 units of housing short here in the greater Bloomington area. Um, we do have some hope on the horizon with that, although uh, it's not going to be immediate. The um, the the new Hopewell um uh, development where the old hospital site is, uh, that it looks like we'll add anywhere between 600 to 1200 new units of housing. So that should go uh, a long way to to putting a dent into that uh, uh, number of units that are needed. But, you know, there's some real opportunity uh, out in the county, out in the areas that are not within the city boundaries uh, for housing. And, um, you know, that's something as, as we get into the elections, the chamber is uh, always very uh, uh, interested in, in candidates that are running and what their uh, ideas and platforms are on these kind of things. So we'll be watching that closely and um, you know asking a lot of questions about how uh, county commissioner candidates, county council candidates, and so forth will be uh, uh, looking at housing.
1: have to ask one follow-up again before I go back to Jeff and Gabe, uh, but it seems to me that there have been some development opportunities in the county that have been rejected for being too urban. Is that correct?
2: You know, I don't know what the motivations were (laughs) behind uh, the decisions that were made Um, that uh, as I recall, yeah, it it didn't kind of fit the uh, the county footprint uh, was the basis for the decision. But uh, you know, we, we know that we need, uh, we need more of those homes. (laughs) okay
1: jeff how about your workforce have
2: you been able to fill your jobs
3: uh well bob every uh pizza x hive lenny's are all we've shortened hours and we're closed a day at each of those operations that uh, and largely that's just because we want to protect the staff that we have and not overwork people so uh Uh, We're still we're still tight. Lenny's is pretty much fully staffed now, but we don't have enough staff to get back open for another day. So we've been just. You know, we've been we've been nudging up prices that I've been real pleased about where we pay overtime for over 30 hours a week instead of the government uh, 40 hours a week. Uh hope you can hear me. It says my internet is not stable.
1: Yeah, we we um, missed we missed a few things that you said, but we can hear you. Okay.
3: Yeah. Uh I'll add that um we started paying overtime over 30 hours uh last fall as a temporary thing. It just it kind of as a trial to see see how it worked. And it's been great. The staff I really love it. And uh, so I think you know, challenge gives everybody, you know innovation potential and so i i uh it's a tough labor market but we're not desperate anymore it got really kind of ugly there for a little while uh but things are getting better as wages come up and and i think gradually it's not the worst thing in the world to have um have labor be uh more in demand
1: right so the so it does drive the drive what you have to pay up a little bit sure right so gabe how about with with cardinal i, I don't what size is your staff at cardinal
4: yeah you know so we're right now we we have you know five full time employees yeah. and yeah. a couple part time so we're we're very small and I, and i'll i'll say you know over the last 15 years is kind of you know the the period when we really started to develop a professional arts sector here in bloomington it's still a very young uh, section of the arts and culture economy here is uh, the sector that considers itself, you know, a professionalist paying uh, artists, you know, uh, what might be considered, you know, uh, and technicians a, you know, comparable wage to what they might receive in, you know, a major market. Um, and I'd say 15 years ago, our biggest challenge was public funding and private philanthropy to support you know, overhead and growth when it comes to like having a sustainable administrative staff that's capable of, you know, uh, 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 supporting, you know, uh, scaled up operations. And now we're at a point right now where I'd say our biggest challenge, absolutely, is becoming just the retention of talent in the region that can support, uh, production. So essentially every time we put on a new show, we're, we're kind of, essentially creating a new business and hiring a completely new contracted staff putting up a show and then running it for a limited number of performances, performances and then that business kind of dissolves and we do it again and that kind of pace and that method of, of, of staffing is incredibly challenging Um, and so we are absolutely having to do whatever, what Jeff just mentioned on the, on the call, which is look at how our compensation can improve, our benefits can improve. But it's also just a matter of like, there just aren't a lot of people in the region right now that can fill these technical positions for a lot of our shows. And so we're looking at like, how can we start to attract and retain more talent. And I think housing is a huge issue. I'd say that's probably our biggest issue as an arts and culture economy right now is, is, is housing and the lack of affordable options for folks. Mm-hmm.
1: So again, if you want to ask our guests questions today or just comment on the issues that we're talking about, send your questions or comments to news at indiana public org, And you can also follow us on Twitter at noon edition. well, Gabe, there's been some exciting news coming out of your sector, uh, and it sounds like it may. Uh, I guess there are some questions I could ask that uh, follow ups so that how they overlap with some of the issues you're talking about. But the idea of a merger between Cardinal and Bloomington Playwrights Project and Pegasus Institute, uh, which is uh, about film, um, and then manage the Waldron Arts Center. Is that a done deal?
4: So uh, right now, the, the uh, Waldron management contract is in its, you know, nearing its final stages of negotiation. We still we feel really confident that we're in a good position with the City of Bloomington, which owns and currently manages that, that space that will reach an agreement by July 1st. We also have a plan of merger that's been approved by all three boards um, to officially uh, commence uh, operations as a merged entity on July 1st. Which is super exciting. We are going to have a big kind of celebration where we're going to announce the new name and and programming for the new organization on April twenty third at one world beautiful location at the Willery Mill. Um, so it's called the Big Bang. They, uh, definitely uh, take a throw on sale. Take take a take a look. We'd love to have you there. Um, this this merger really did come about uh, with some you know uh, really, I think uh, humbling kind of experiences at the beginning of the pandemic, realizing like, okay, I mean, our business model because of this pandemic is probably going to have to change and change drastically in the near future. If we're going to be able to be a more responsive, you know, uh, effective and uh, efficient organization. And that to us meant, Hey, we have a lot of with a lot of arts organizations that do very similar work or do complementary work to other arts organizations and let's bring let's talk about seriously bringing it all under one roof you know this is a true merger it's not a acquisition downsizing type situation everyone's keeping their jobs we're putting everything under the one on, under one roof so people don't have to wear the crazy you know multiple hats and we can really professionalize our operations so that we're delivering, um, with, you know, shared resources, higher level, uh, quality of service, higher quality productions, um, and just really kind of leveling up in general. Um, and I really do think it's an exciting opportunity for, you know, new and emerging artists and arts organizations to get involved in the future of the Bloomington Arts. We're going to be creating more space that's available for uh, folks to use at not only the Waldron but also at the Ted Jones Playhouse where the BPP currently operates. And we're working with the city to establish an open spaces grant program to allow folks affordable access to these performing arts venues and visual arts spaces too. So uh, we really, I, I think that we needed, you know, as an arts community need to get into um, kind of incubation mode for that next generation of arts professionals.
1: When you uh, come together like this, is, could this potentially help your issue with finding enough, enough qualified people to help do the technical work necessary to put on a show?
4: That's absolutely correct. So one of the things that we're doing is, is, is we're able to shore up enough resources and find support to uh, hire some full-time technical staff members that, you know, traditionally at our organizations would be, you know, part-time contracted positions. That kind of uh, labor is just increasingly difficult to find. And so that alone, I think, is going to help us sustain operations going forward. Um, And then hopefully, you know, with full-time professional support in those uh, uh, positions, we're also going to be able to start to nurture and mentor uh, folks that can take those take on those roles going forward that's always been something that I think we've kind of lacked. We have a great you know kind of mentorship cycle that that comes through administration so marketing development those positions but when it comes to technical uh, positions and um, you know uh, the stuff that that that, that folks that actually do the work that gets put on stage that has been lacking and I think in the new merged organization, we're going to see a big improvement when it comes to that, hopefully.
1: How exciting is that for you, Jeff? Uh, You know, the shoring up of the, all these arts programs in the downtown area where you have perhaps your flagship restaurant.
3: Well, you know, that's, that's why I just love Bloomington is we've got such an amazing arts, you know, scene and people like Gabe and so many people who, you know, pour their heart and soul into this and you know the the uh the arts community so challenged with the pandemic i mean there's nothing worse than you know your business absolutely depending on people coming and sitting in a closed place and you know uh ah can't imagine uh way worse than what restaurants have to deal with at least we can deliver our food you know yeah. Uh, so yeah, Lenny's, Lenny's courses moved to Kirkwood. And so it's kind of, it's really fun to, uh, the busker Chumley, and, you know, we get a lot of, uh, get a lot of people who will go stop in Lenny's before an auditorium show. Of course we use, we did it at our old location too. Uh, but yeah, I'm really super excited about, about, uh, live theater and live music coming back. I've got a I've got tickets to a show in Nashville this weekend, some live music, but I picked up COVID on my way back from my, uh, uh, my spring break travel. So I've been, I've been isolating in my house for a week now. So hopefully I'm tested negative tomorrow. I still tested positive yesterday.
1: Well, I'm happy to, happy to see you on zoom then. That's, that's good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Eric, uh, the arts community as, as a, a, an economic driver in Bloomington. Again, I know, you know, it's, I guess, how
2: important
1: is it? Uh, how does it fit into your overall strategy at the chamber?
2: That's critical. Yeah. And, and, um, just really excited for Cardinal and the arts community in Bloomington and Monroe County here with everything that's going on. And, you know, <laughs> Cardinal stage has just been a great friend and partner of the chamber over the years. So this is something that we're really excited about. Um, and when you have these kind of productions occurring in the community, it's just one more way to really enhance the quality of life here. Those quality of life enhancements are big tools for, uh, you know, the economic developers uh, and the workforce developers. When we're looking at re- uh, recruiting and retaining talent uh, in the greater Bloomington area, those are things that all matter and are, are a big part of that equation. So it uh, it definitely is a big deal and uh, we appreciate all the work that's being done uh, in the arts community for sure.
1: I know that there's been a movement um, in Bloomington and, and certainly elsewhere all around the country to try to attract m- remote workers to come to the community mm-hmm. and pay property taxes, support the community, uh, support the arts in the community and um, take part in all the activities. But work remotely in some other place how big is Bloomington in this in that scene
2: well we're getting involved with it and there's some incentives out there um you know that the state is looking at putting into place I've uh, I've seen uh, you know some communities are offering up to ten thousand dollars uh for people to move um into their uh, locations and, and do the remote work thing. Um, You know, the other side of that coin too, is that there is some vulnerability with remote workers. And so you also need to focus on those permanent types of jobs that are resistant to those uh, remote work trends, because you don't want your workforce just fleeing someday. So that's, that's why it's important that we're uh, well diversified. And, you know, when you look at the the types of jobs that uh, Cook has, and that Catalan has, those are the kinds of uh, you know, long-term, uh, remote working, resistant types of jobs that they kind of help offset any of the uh, you know folks that we may be seeing going outside of Bloomington or, or moving into other areas. But yeah, we're working hard, to, and I know Pat East and the folks over at the mill are very much in tune with this, and uh, you know, doing everything we can to um, recruit the the innovators and the entrepreneurs who who have the ability to work remotely. I think a lot of
1: it still comes back to housing though, doesn't it? I mean, where are these yeah. people living when they come here? Exactly. Exactly. It's it's all interconnected for sure. Right. Okay. So I, I wanted to ask you also just about, you know, you, you sort of mentioned it, but there are a couple of things on the, you know, on the uh, horizon. I know there's uh possibility of a local option income tax increase. Mm -hmm. Uh, I assume the chamber will look hard at that and decide whether you want to support it or not Mm -hmm. support it. How is Bloomington? uh, You know, I've I've heard the mayor say many times that we're a a low tax community. How, how is Bloomington in terms of taxation for businesses?
2: Um, There's a couple of ways to look at it. And I agree that, um, you know, if, if you look just at tax rates alone, um, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're very competitive here with, with a lot of other communities and, and on the low end. Um, you know, that doesn't necessarily take into account assessed values, however, and we know that uh, Bloomington, Monroe County is one of the highest cost of living places uh, in the state of Indiana, if not the highest cost of living place. And so, you know, I don't know why the property values in uh, the assessed values here are so high. Um, that's a good question. There's a lot of different opinions about that. But, uh, you know, that certainly factors in uh, to the cost of living as well too, that uh, a lot of other communities with lower tax rates or, or perhaps higher tax rates, uh, you know, they don't have those higher assessed values. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be taking a look at uh, the local income tax proposal that uh, Mayor Hamilton uh, has, uh, has been talking about. We just received uh, the 24 page memo Uh, from the mayor's office yesterday, I haven't had an opportunity yet to to fully comb through it. But that's uh, something that my staff and I will be looking at uh, and getting in touch with uh, the chamber members for their opinions on as well, too, as we're polling them. Um, You know, it does just I I did see some kind of back of the napkin uh, calculations. And based on what uh, they're asking, uh, in terms of what needs to be funded, it would require about a one percent Uh, uh, increase to the existing rate. So we're at 1.35% right now for the local income tax rate. And it would have to jump up. Well, it'd be about an 80% increase to that to get it to 2.35% to fund everything that's being asked for. So that's a, you know, when when we're talking about uh, taxes on our workforce and our uh, folks here in a a very high inflationary period, that's a significant um, uh, increase in taxes uh, on income. So something we're very Uh, interested in for sure.
1: How does your experience on the county council translate into looking at these kinds of of tax increase issues?
2: Yeah, it'll be helpful. Um, I I did have a lot of experience uh, looking at local income tax rates. And in Indiana, it's a very complicated process. So you have the local income tax council that has to approve all of this stuff, that council is made up of all the fiscal bodies of the different government units in the county. So here in Monroe County, that would include, um, uh, the city council, that's the fiscal body for the city of Bloomington. And then the Monroe County council is the fiscal body, uh, for Monroe County government. Uh, the Steinsville town board, uh, would be their fiscal body, although they have, uh, kind of a minimal role to play based on their population. And then, uh, the other body would be, uh, the Ellettsville town council. And so, uh, all of those folks uh, have a, a share of the votes, and um, my understanding is under the current law that if eight city council members were to approve any modification to the local income tax rate, that would be enough to change it throughout Monroe county if they don 't get eight, they would need to uh, find other um, uh, votes from some of those other bodies to to get it passed. Mm-hmm. Well, as,
1: as we know, the, those of you who watch uh, Bloomington politics, nine Democrats on the city council, but it's not always easy to get eight of them to agree on anything. So, so I guess we'll have to. <laughs> that's that's wait correct. We'll have to wait and see how that goes. Um, I have a specific question for Jeff, and then a specific question for Gabe. Big issues, uh, big changes with or, your organizations. Jeff Meese, One World Catering. Uh, as I mentioned, several of your businesses before, but. But the Bloomington Brewing Company, first craft brewery in Bloomington, you have sold that
3: business, correct? We did. Yeah, we, uh, we sold it uh, at the end of the year. Uh, we were the first craft brewery in Southern Indiana, Bob, actually. Okay. Opened, we opened in 1994.
1: Okay, so what, what went into that sale? And why did you decide well, to, to get uh, out of that business?
3: Uh, you know, it, it's, it's a very different business from our other businesses and a bunch of reasons I could talk about for much more time than we have, but essentially, uh, you know, we just hadn't been able to grow that business, uh, where I'm very distracted. Uh, the Bloomington Brewing Company is a small company with a very small crew. So my attention was really critical and my attention always wanted to go other places. So, At some point, you just say, you know, somebody else could be doing this better than I could. And can I find that person? And that's the trick, right? You're selling something. I I probably would have been, I would have loved to sell it five years ago. I just didn't really know how. But I finally just decided I'm going to, Lenny and I decided we're going to find a, we're going to find a buyer. And we don't know what that's going to look like, but by God, we're going to do it. And we we found just a great, uh, we found just great people, uh, Amanda and Jared Franklin who love the brands and really wanted to get in the beer business and they're 20 years younger than we are. And, uh, so I'm, we're just super thrilled how it turned out, you know, they're going to be able to grow the brands. I always hate to see when somebody has to shutter a business that's really developed, you know, a following and, uh, you know, and so I feel, we feel real fortunate that uh, we made a fair deal and, uh, it's good.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, the other side of that is you hate to see it when a company uh, that's been successful on the scale that yours has sells to some big conglomerate like, a, you know, like an Anheuser-Busch or, or somebody like that. And, of course, I'm sure you'd never consider doing anything like that.
3: <laughs> well, I, you know, if you get desperate enough, I got some, you know, I don't think guy Busch would have been interested in the little Bloomington brewing company, but sometimes you grow a company and you've got to sell it out to somebody big like that. Cause nobody else could, you know, nobody else could run it.
1: Yep. All right. So Gabe, I wanted to ask you about the Waldron. So what's the, what's the benefit of having everybody under one roof at the Waldron and will that, um, Start being the the main the main place for cardinal stage performances as opposed to the Beauskirk Chime, for instance.
4: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I think um, I think with the Waldron, what we have is is truly like an essential community arts asset. You know, a lot of other communities, even smaller than Bloomington, have you know um, I think for instance like the Brown County Music Center, like large venues primarily hosting touring uh, shows and, and those types of experiences. With the Waldron Arts Center, we have a space that's, you know, accessible and affordable for our community to create their own experiences. I liken it to kind of, you know, uh, to, to talk about uh, uh, craft brewing. It's essentially kind of the craft beer for the performing arts in Bloomington, it is something that is really high quality, that's locally crafted. And when you go to a community, are you going to go to, you know, a new community? Or are you going to go to a place and grab a Budweiser? No, you're going to go and grab whatever that craft brew is. And we want to be the Waldron. We want the Waldron and these community art spaces to be essentially that for our artistic identity here as a community. And that really means like locally grown, locally conceived and produced works of art that Bloomington can be proud of, right? These are our, you know, shows, these are our, you know, galleries. You know, that's that I think is really important to us kind of distinguishing ourselves from the surrounding region as a as an arts economy. And the Waldron is still an essential component of that because there just aren't a whole lot of spaces that are that small intimate space that's accessible for entrepreneurial, like emerging artists.
1: You know I'm veering a little bit away from the pandemic and some of the, the other challenges, but I, I wanted to follow up on that and just ask how you do that. I'm just curious, you know, this is like, I'm a, as a consumer, I'm curious as to, you know, how you pick the different plays that you're going to do and how, how you find the, you know, the equity actors that you bring in that just seem to, you know, to fit people that come in from out of town that join the other, you know, local people that you have in in the shows.
4: Boy, it's, it's a, (laughs) it's a question that we ask ourselves every season is how do we create uh, uh, experiences for this community, which is, you know, again, not a traditional, like, theater-going, you know, uh, community. It's it's really the arts and culture for for decades had been kind of the sole enterprise of the university, right? Um, and it wasn't until, you know, Bloomington Playwrights Project and some other uh, folks in, in just the last few decades kind of emerged as leaders. And it it really is a challenge because we're talking about, you know, wanting to continue to attract that university audience that maybe, you know, understands or has an experience with theater and knows kind of what theater should be. But then we're also trying to be a big tent theater that can appeal to audiences in the surrounding uh, communities and counties, Ellisville, Bedford, you know. And uh, it is a delicate balance every year is trying to find some shows that we think are gonna have a broad appeal, but still fit well into like a a season of programming that feels intentional for the community. Um, and so I think with this merged organization, what we're going to have is a really great opportunity to find, you know, new artists and playwrights and, and, and creators, uh, to develop new work. That is, we think is going to have a very specific thematic appeal to Bloomington. But also continuing to do the kind of things that Cardinal has been kind of known to do, and, and, which is theater for young audiences, you know, big tent family holiday programming that bring in people maybe that are, you know, not as comfortable with going to take a risk on a brand new work. And I think bringing those all under one roof, I think, really opens up people like that buy a ticket to one thing to the broad spectrum of, of, of the theatrical experience.
1: We have about 10 minutes to go in our program today. So if you have any questions or comments for Gabe Gloden from Cardinal Stage, Jeff Meese from One World Catering, or Eric Spoonmore from the Greater Bloomington Chamber of Commerce, send them to news at indianapublicmedia.org, or you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition and send your questions there. I wanted to open up this discussion about the, the university influence and the partnerships that come with having the university here, either the partnerships or just trying to figure out how, you know, what, what your role is um, with some entity as big as the university here. Eric Spoonmore, um, with your role as the executive director of the Greater Bloomington Chamber of Commerce, um, what kind of things do you do to interact with Indiana University, and, and how, can you, how can you leverage the university in working with chamber members?
2: Well, the university is a, a huge partner uh, to the chamber, and you know what we really uh, appreciate about IU is the uh, their ability to develop talent for our area. That's always been kind of a challenge. We we know we have some brain drain issues here in um, uh, in Bloomington and in Indiana. Uh, Indiana University has been great to work with in terms of finding solutions for that, and really strengthening the community overall uh, by developing the workforce. So, and, and, and Ivy Tech as well, too. So they've been great uh, partners for us. You know, IU Athletics is a huge um, uh, supporter of the chamber and the community. And our members really benefit a lot from those uh, massive events that take place at the football stadiums and at the basketball games. Um, and so that's an important part of our community and the success of our businesses as well, too. So uh, we want to do everything that we can uh, to support that and uh, continue to see, um, you know, real progress with uh, with our local business environment and how they interact with uh, with the university. What kind of uh,
1: research assistance do they give you or is that mostly done through the BEDC?
2: We have w- well, we're uh, exploring uh, an internship opportunity with um, uh, with Indiana University right now, and we've got uh, one of our chamber board members, uh, Kirk White, has been uh, working with us on this to uh, help develop some uh, diversity, equity, inclusion uh, programs that will connect uh, chamber uh, members and our initiatives with, uh, IU and their employees. So, um, that has not fully rolled out yet, but we're, we're working on that. Uh, I would imagine that they also have, um, um, a great deal of interaction with BEDC in terms of, you know, the economic development, uh, involvement that they have here in the community. I'm just not certain on what all that is.
1: Well, you don't have to know everything yet. (laughs) Eric Spoonworth just started December 1st in his job. So I will I will repeat that that date. Um Jeff Meese, I know you know you started the business when you were how old? 22?
3: Mm, well, 20,
1: 19, 20. really. Oh my gosh. Yeah, um uh, yeah. so you know, you've you've watched the businesses grow in Bloomington. How has the uh, atmosphere for running a small business in Bloomington changed over the years?
3: Uh, I I think generally, and not just Bloomington, it, it you know it gets harder to start things. Uh, the the reg I tell people the regulatory net um, in all sorts of ways sort of tightens I think over time, and so I think it's harder to start things now, uh, at least in my business, than it was you know forty years ago.
1: When you talk about the regulatory net, does that mean a local, state, or national net?
3: Uh, I th- all of it. But I think I think locally uh, things get get, uh, you know, uh, things get more challenging, mm-hmm. uh, but also insurance regulations. I tell people, you know, when I started delivery at Domino's 42 years ago, I drove Lenny's car my girlfriend at the dormitory, you know, she just drove, okay, I'll drive her car. You know, you can never do that. Now, you, we could never, our insurance company would have a conniption if we let let a driver drive somebody else's car. So it's just, you know, multiply that by a hundred and, you know, you have to follow the rules. So it makes things a little more challenging, a lot more challenging to get started.
1: Okay. We have just a few minutes to go and I, I want to just talk about, you know, your, uh all of your perspectives going forward i i i know all three of you as uh creative people and optimists so um but D- jeff you know when you look forward to 20 the rest of 2022 i mean what what do you see i mean we we still have a pandemic we still we have inflation we now have a war in ukraine i mean what do you see for the next 12 months
3: yeah, well, I'm not a prognosticator, but I know it's really important to just stay positive. You know, the, there's a quote I like that I remind myself, things are far too bad and it's far too late uh, for pessimism. <laughs>
1: That's a good quote. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so you're going to stay positive through the year. Anything else new? I like, you know, it, uh, of course, I, you know, it surprised me as an observer when you when you sold the, the brewing part of your business, anything new coming up with?
3: Well, yeah, we're going to open a new uh, Pizza X downtown. We bought the old laundromat on Third Street. Uh, this is not really well known yet, uh, but it, um, we're hopefully we'll have it open by the fall. But I'd, I don't know. It's a challenging time to be building anything. Uh, supply chain issues are real. Uh, so so we'll see. Uh, but yeah, we that's our next thing is to open a downtown pizza ax I've got a lot of other things that I'm working on. Uh, I'm work, uh, I'm really trying to get more and more involved in psychedelic drug advocacy because there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of advocacy needed. That's a sort of a tidal wave that's coming that I believe in. And, um, uh, yeah, business wise, we're just going to kind of keep our nose to the grindstone and keep pushing forward. Get reopened at Hive for dinners and breakfast. Mm-hmm. Uh, get reopened seven days a week at Lenny's, hopefully, and Pizza X. Not too far down the road.
1: Okay. And Gabe, how about Cardinal? I know you've got a lot on your plate right now. So, what do you see in the next twelve months? Where Where are we going to be when we talk next year at this time?
4: Yeah, that's a great question. I I, I, I just want to say I'm really excited about that downtown Pizza X location. If I'm going to be headquartered at the Waldron, I will be a uh, Patronizing that establishment frequently, yeah, um, but I really do think, uh, yeah, absolutely. I really do think that like the the kind of thing that gives me the most hope and sense of optimism is kind of this. It, it seems, at least in the art sector, to be kind of this fairly new uh, urgency to collaborate and share resources and get creative about how we work together um as a business economy as as a to to solve all of these problems knowing that like the success of you know one world is directly tied to the success of cardinal stage and vice versa i think is something that gives me hope that that this community specifically this bloomington community can really regardless of what happens with the pandemic or a new you know um you know, a tragedy or some, some kind of upheaval in our business that we can stay resilient because we can rely on each other to sustain, you know, what it is that we do. That, that to me is, is really exciting right now is feeling that like, Hey, this isn't just everyone kind of scrappy in their corners, duking it out for supremacy anymore. You know, we really are talking about, you know, how. Can, you know, uh, this this new merged organization benefit the other arts organizations in town? What How does it strengthen our relationship with the Busker Theater, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I think in 12 months from now, when we talk again, um, there's going to be some new exciting partnerships on the horizon that I think are going to, again, make it easier for this community to create and enjoy great art.
1: All right, and Eric Spoonmore from the... Chamber, we've got about a minute to go. So, same question to you. I mean, what do you see in the next year? What makes you the most excited?
2: Yeah, you know, for me, the the priority areas are, are really going to be our membership and putting that consistent focus on business members and uh, recognizing that small businesses are instrumental to our local economy and the quality of life here in Bloomington. So, we'll focus a lot of our uh, efforts on regaining the members that dropped off during the COVID nineteen crisis, and we're winning a lot of those folks back. And then, uh, you know, really delivering on the value proposition of membership so that we can uh, retain our current members and maintain a strong rate of retention uh, into the future. You know, as the voice of business in our region, the Chamber's really engaged and involved in so many areas that impact what we love most about uh, Bloomington and Monroe County. We've got this belief, and it's, uh, it's called Better Business, Better Community, and that recognizes that. You know, we can all prosper when opportunities for professional and personal growth are available to everyone. And, uh, you know, a thriving business sector is necessary for achieving the quality of life that residents deserve here. Um, And the best outcomes are going to occur when businesses and government are working together to achieve shared community goals. Um, You know, we talked about housing earlier. That's going to be a priority. Um, The convention center, uh, we didn't really get into that today, but, you know, that needs to become a priority. We've got You know, $11 million that have been uh, contributed through the food and beverage tax. And we've seen zero progress on a convention center that, you know, uh, can really further activate our vibrant downtown and generate new jobs and attract visitors and uh, support all the nearby enterprises there. So that's an important Uh, thing for us. And then, uh, you know, public safety, that's, uh, that's going to be another. We're going to have to, we're going to have to wrap it up, Eric. You got, you got a list there though.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. That was Eric Spoonmore from the Greater Bloomington Chamber of Commerce. We also had Gabe Gloden from Cardinal and Jeff Meese from One World. I want to thank our guests for joining us today and thank our producers, Bento Boutier and Holden Absher, Engineer John Bailey. I'm your host, Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening to Noon Edition.
0: Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville, Fiber Internet, Streaming TV, Home Security, and Automation in Southern Indiana. Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from Integrity First Insurance, provider of Erie Insurance, for all your auto, home, life, and business insurance needs.